1: Uh, point B, right up uh, o- 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 be fantastic. I'm feeling good. I'm super
2: pumped to be on this podcast. I'm I'm kind of nervous. You're making me uh, nervous. O- nervous. I like bad girl you.
1: What? <laughs> I, I I watched your podcast. I'm super nervous. I have to live up to some pretty big guest.
0: <laughs>
1: oh no no no! i just. You
2: know what? I, I just I rock the mic. That's all I do. And then you guys talk. I don't know. Stories
0: come up by
2: themselves. <laughs> I love it. Perfect. So let's let's start. Let's, who are you? Like, that's such a deep question, but who's Mario? Like, what, what is it that you do? How do you help
1: people? That's uh that's such a loaded question. And you know, it's so common, but I don't get it enough to have like this coined perfect answer. And I look at a uh, you know my life and everything I've been able to create and you know, the the stuff that I've been able to do and the impact I've made for some amazing clients and, and friends and colleagues. I don't know if there's just one thing and I don't think anybody wants to be known for just one thing, but uh, I'm a real big believer in, in supporting and educating others in the world of finance. I've been in this industry that I love so much. Uh, for the last almost 15 years now and I've dedicated my life to it. It's my career. I own a, uh, an incredible firm called Win Financial and my whole focus is changing the way people look at money, to feel that, that level of confidence, to, to break the barriers that so many of us had from when we were young that we're not good enough or you know money's this negative thing to changing their perspective and really living a prosperous life and understanding their money better.
2: So let, let's go back. Let's go back to 15 Perfect. years ago. Because I know so many of my listeners, they're, they're just, they're starting to hustle right now. They're in the mix, you know, they're, they're trying to do their thing. Mario, 15 years ago, what possessed you to start your own business? What was it? What was oh the, the turning
1: key? So my background, and when I say my background, like, I guess my first run into the business world or, or the, my first career was, a, I, I was actually a trained chef. Uh, So I spent a lot of years working in the kitchen that kind of led me into the the finance world, which I'm going to share that weird little connection there. But I was a chef and my dad was an entrepreneur his whole life. He taught me, you know, so many amazing business lessons growing up. I just fell in love with the kitchen. So I took that on. But the problem is I was working 100 hours a week. I had no life. If I wasn't dating a waitress, I wasn't dating at all because they're the only women that I was even around or could see. On a, on a consistent basis, so things were difficult. And so I had this amazing idea at 19 years old, already doing well in the restaurant world to become my own boss and to start a catering company. And I was backed by very little business knowledge. I knew how to cook, I knew how to work hard from my you know the lessons my dad taught me, but I didn't know anything about business or money. And I just put my head down, I cooked great food, I worked super hard. And I built this incredible business over a year. I actually made almost my first six figures at the age of twenty, which was more money than I had ever seen in my life. I didn't even think that was possible because I didn't come from a, a family that had money. And the problem was, I had no idea how to manage it. And so CRA became my business partner really quick. When I paid no taxes, uh, I had a, a beautiful condo. I had a beautiful car. I had a beautiful you know girlfriend at the time, and. I watched all three get repossessed when I missed all my payments and had no idea what to do. Uh, So now I'm 21 years old and I'm living back at home. I have no idea what to do with my life. And I, I came across one of my friends, you know, this is even before the Facebook days, there was nothing. We were just at a Tim Hortons and I saw him there. He had a nice car. He was doing well. I haven't seen him since elementary school. And so we just got to talk and he said, yeah, you know, I've got started in the finance world and. You know, it's done really, you know, great for me. I was so happy for him. You I know, mean, I was glad he was doing well. I didn't think that I would get into that world. And he said, you know, you're, you're such a talented chef. You know, you just lack the financial education. He goes, why don't you come work with me for the summer? I'll teach you about money. And the next time you open up your catering company or your next business, you're going to be backed by a little bit more financial education. And I was super nervous because I, I was the kind of kid that failed math every single year. I was just super nice in class and funny. The teachers gave me like pity 50%. Just I don't know if it was because they liked me or they didn't, didn't want me to repeat. Either way, uh, I appreciate it. But I was not built for math, was not built for numbers. I was super rough. So I didn't talk very, you know, smoothly or, 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 yeah. or, or I couldn't sell a thing in my life. Uh, so it was a very scary endeavor for me. I just went in with the financial education, but I fell in love with the atmosphere. I fell in love with the people, the difference that they were making, the things that they were talking about was not the conversations I had around the dinner table when I was growing up. No one talked about wealth and building a future and investments and how to you know, create this type of situation for your life and how to create a mortgage. All the stuff I didn't learn in school and all the stuff I didn't learn at home, I was learning and I was absorbing it all. I was like, I couldn't get enough. I read every book I could. I watched everything I I could online, and it was just I was such a student of that world. And that summer ended up in, turning into a fourteen year career. And in twenty nineteen, I started my own firm.
2: That's super cool. And I and I found so many connecting dots as you we were talking. And I I'm somebody I'm from the hospitality industry. Sorry, everyone. My dog decides to bark. But um, <laughs> I'm somebody. I my backbone is in hospitality, and the numbers in finance and the numbers in the kitchen they they work, bro.
1: Same
2: they work because you need to be timed it, yeah. in the kitchen it's all timing timing timing, timing all day and and portion control and not ounces and and pounds and I need this out at 7 15 if it's 720 somebody's pissed, so me being the wow. one who's pissed uh-
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love it very true
2: yeah, I'd be the one that I was I've been coordinating uh, weddings this summer with a girlfriend of mine, and a long short, I went into the kitchen at a very high end place. And I lost it. I lost it. I'm like, it is 12 minutes past. And like, this is, ridiculous. I was just, you know, and it's because of the the standard that this place has. I, I couldn't believe that they were 12 minutes behind. And that those 12 minutes cost me the whole night. Wow. We were 15 minutes, then 20 minutes. Like each course came out late. And I was like, oh my, that's, that's why I lost it in the beginning. That's why I lost it. I'm like, oh, this is going to mess up my whole night
0: they are not going to be able
2: to catch up. And they did. I was the
0: same. Was the same.
2: <laughs> it is. It is. It is. It is. I was about to go in there and start stirring the risotto. Yeah, myself. I was
1: getting upset. Like that's the problem. I'm getting upset by your conversation because I was the same way. And you know what was my saving grace? Because I wasn't nearly as talented as everyone else that was in that industry, but no one had my work ethic. No one was putting in 80 hours a week in the hospitality industry under crazy conditions. So me showing up early and leaving late, and you know, learning and, and learning how to catch things, not having to be taught or handheld, it really did separate me from the bunch. It was my saving grace, truthfully.
2: It that's what it is. This is why I wanted to pinpoint and highlight this. You don't have to be great Mm-mm. at it. You no. just have to be obsessive and 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 want to learn. I didn't know anything about podcasting. I'm 150 episodes in right now. I didn't know anything about it. I didn't know how to edit. I didn't know how to upload. I didn't know how to do anything about it. YouTube, Google, ask people, you know, and and then you start learning one thing into another and then you get to where you get. But I got to ask you this. So 15 years ago, you start your business. You you lost everything. Did the girlfriend go to CRA too? I don't know. Yeah,
1: everything. Everything was repossessed.
2: Everything was repossessed. Yeah. Including the girl. Everything was funny. That was funny.
1: Everything gone.
2: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> when did you start to, to see that? Because I find in the first four or five years of business that anybody's in business, it's super scary mm-hmm. um, because you don't know if you're going to last. You don't know if, if you're going to be able to make it. If this is just a phase. I, I feel like once you get into like year six, year seven, you're like, okay, I'm pretty solid in, in this. Yeah. journey. It's, it's going to last. When did you start realizing that this was your lifelong career? Because I see you like teaching finance to like seniors.
1: Yeah, point. I'm not gonna lie. I, I I I know it's a cliche, but I really don't want to retire. I just want to be more in control. Like I love what I do every single day. It's there's so much passion behind it. But when did I know that this was gonna be my career? Funny enough, um, I almost knew right away. There was just a, an energy and a vibe when I walked into the my office. You know, into the the my finance office the first time, and I just. I saw the buzz and the energy and people on the computer over here, people uh, chatting over here and people were just in suits. And I'm like, man, this is so far from my world. Mm. But the fear kind of hit me. And the, the truth is, and I have not been scared for a while. I was, it was easy for me in the kitchen because I was just good at it. I was doing it for a while. I got too easy and comfortable in my career as an owner, owner in my catering company. I was just too comfortable. And I hadn't been uncomfortable in so long that I started just becoming obsessed. And then when you start learning about how people are getting taken advantage of, and people are getting ripped off, and you just start developing this passion. And it was in me. And once it was in me, it's never left. Like, I still have the exact same passion I had 15 years ago. I still deliver with the same intensity. I still work the same amount of hours, regardless of my position and what I've been able to create in my life, I'm still so 100% immersed in it. And I think because I fell in love with it so much that I didn't have to ever tell myself, this is it. I just kept doing what I love. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? When you find yeah. the right partner, it's not like you you have to remind yourself you love them every day. You love them and that you just get to be in that relationship. It's like, I get to do what I love. I get to be with who I love.
2: Yeah, and it, it just becomes it just becomes part of you. It's something so normal. Kind of in, in the sense like you met in a past life.
1: One million percent. Like yeah, I agree with that. That's a great way of putting it. That's how I feel every day.
2: Cool, you're making me happy. This this is what you do. <laughs> you yeah,
1: I do. I, I love it. I, I just do. I it, and I I know a lot of people. They they online. They love it, but they don't really. They're not really in it. You know what I mean? They they put on a, a good show, and it, it bothers me because. Mm. This is, you're dealing with people's finances or doesn't matter what you do. People are counting on you. You know, this is so much bigger than social media. It's so much bigger than clout. It's just, it's, you're, 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 somebody's trusting you with their life. Like give them the right advice. Give them the right support. Don't manipulate. Don't lie. Don't be a transactional business person where it's just about the sale. The time that I've taken with my clients is, it, 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 you know how many of my clients are coming to my wedding? Because we built such a strong relationship, it's the greatest thing in the world. I love business more than anything on this planet.
2: Well, the thing is, you hit you hit a nerve with me because it's about creating the strong relationships, and a lot of people think it's transactional. I see it in my world a lot. Where, for instance, myself, I've been—I don't know—quote unquote—a content creator, public figure, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it. I've been advice yeah. from Hannah for four years now, right? And The relationships I built four years ago are now flourishing today, today, like now, right? It's taking time. How are you? How's it going? It's not something like, hey, I want to go be on stage and this is my fee. It's, hey, so how's it going? I saw that you launched a new product. Do you want me to promote it on stories? Hey, I saw you're having an event. I can't go, but I'm going to buy you. I'm going to buy a ticket. Go ahead. Give it away to somebody. Oh you're moving stores. Do you need anything? I know a painter. I know a plumber. I know somebody who puts floors, you know, just being of service to somebody. And I feel like so many people miss that. They miss it completely. You, we can have a whole episode about this now.
1: (laughs) Oh, I'm totally in. And they do, they do. They miss the picture. You know, we get a lot of resumes that we get a lot of people that want to work for our organization And we don't have you know this crazy system that we're so picky because you I've always learned you can't measure the heart of an individual. You know, a resume doesn't tell anything. And you know, the top performers in my organization are actually three women, which is very uncommon in the finance world, which is generally male-dominated. And all of them are under the age of 30. My top producer is 20 years old. Look at that. And I love seeing young people with work ethic and drive because they get such a bad rap that they don't have either of those. And when you love what you do and you're part of an atmosphere that cultivates that love, you, you become better, you become immersed, but then there's people that you hire and they're only in it for themselves. They're in it because they see the money, they see the, the glamor of all of this. And guess what? They never last. They never no. last because they realize the money doesn't come like that quickly. It doesn't come overnight and they're not they don't care about anything else that's meant to keep you there or make make you fall in love. They fall in love with the money, but the money's never going to make them satisfied. Then they end up doing the wrong things. They end up cutting corners and it's just we can't have that. We got to really limit that in business because there's way too many corner cutters out there on social media. I mean, all you need is an Instagram and you got to be good at editing and you can bull your way through everything. Oh,
2: for sure. I love that you say cutting corners because I'm somebody who I you could probably tell. I, I put in my time, man. I put Not in my time. Really. It is just day in and day out. I, I always get asked like, how are you on social media? How is it that you work a full-time job? How is it that you do? I, I have like five, six jobs, bro. like yeah. It's just one of those things like you do so much, but it's the consistency. I always hear, this is my number one pet peeve. And whoever's listening, Oh, have you monetized a podcast? I'm like, this isn't, I'm like, it's not, it's not for monetizing. Like it, it it could be if I wanted to, but I've had people, Mario, who are in the industry who are like top dogs in the the, end that have been doing what they're doing for years that have DM'd me asking me, how can I monetize my podcast? And they're on episode 12. This is too much work. I said, you're not going to see the monetization right off the bat. I said you have no. to put in your time. You have to build your fan base. You have to build your listenership. You have to trust people. You have to get guests on. Like it's a whole thing.
1: It takes time. It's not going to happen
2: in twelve episodes. If it can, it if it can God bless you. I'm
1: proud of you. That foundation has to be solid. It, it really does. Like I'm going to be very transparent. I've. I don't think I've ever said this on a podcast. My first four years in finance, I made like seven grand. Like it was bad. It. It was bad, but I, I never missed anything. I fell in love with it. I had to do little side jobs here and there to keep myself mm-hmm. afloat, but I never lost sight of the goal and the dream because I was never money motivated. And now yeah. I look at my business and my career, and it's just amazing where things started to where they are today. And it's so difficult in a world of instant gratification for people to understand the business takes 10 15 years sometimes to be an overnight success or to really see the, the fruits of the labor that you put into it. Even five years, six years. But I'm Dude, telling you, people want it really They want oh,
0: it
2: now. It that's what I keep telling every I say it the 10 when you see somebody's year 10 is when you're like, wow, wow, oh, look at Mario, he, he's really made. But you put in 10 years, 10 dog years. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's, it's seriously, I really did. You did. I, you know, I made my first six figures in in the catering world my first year, lost everything because I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't make my first six figures in finance till my fifth year, but I've never gone anywhere below that since. So it, it may have been a longer drive to get there. But my Lord, once you build that foundation solid, you can do whatever you want with the walls of your house. It's not coming down anymore.
2: Oh, that was a gem. Did you guys hear that? That was a gem. You guys better go back and listen to it again. That was a gem. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. It takes a while. Oh, I told you about my grandfather and how he used to, the, the taxis. And yeah, that I love him, that story. Yeah, it took him a few years. I always talk about him. That's legacy, man. You haven't been on earth for 20 years and it, you're still being talked about, but it took him. My mom was in her teenage years and she was still picking up the phone at 2am for his clients, calling the house saying, Oh, is he going to be there for four? He was never late. Never miss a shift. Never late. You know, it's a, it's the small things. A
1: different breed.
2: Yeah. It's a small things though that make you, that make you different. I've, I've had the pleasure of working with individuals that do keep their word. And I've had the pleasure of getting to know others that you book a call for six and it's six forty-five, and you're still waiting for them.
1: Yeah. And, and yeah. you're
2: like, okay, well, you're not valuing my time. It's a complete turnoff to me right then and there. I'll still take the call of course, because I'm not in a position right now to, to be like, oh, I'm not taking this call, but it, it kind of, I'm like, okay, well you're not taking me seriously right now. And you know,
1: Well, I'll tell you on that, if I can speak on just what you said there, because I used to have the same mentality, but I'm going to be honest with you. Respect is not something that you have to reach a certain level before you accept it in your world. I think respect is something that you as a person that's providing a professional service to help someone else deserves today, whether it's monetized or not. And when someone doesn't respect your time or somebody doesn't respect your business or respect your craft, you don't, don't tell yourself, oh, I got to take anything I can now, because the truth is you're taking on something that you don't believe in anyway, in that moment, you're Mm -hmm. doing it for the reasons of, oh, you know, I just want to get the name up, but you stick to your guns and understand that your respect and what you're building and the time that you're putting in, and then knowing that you would never do that to that individual. Once you set that standard now, It starts showing up in every area of your life, your friendships, your relationships, your family ships, your your work, you know, relationships in every area. You've now set that bar. You're going to start automatically reaching that next level higher, attracting, you know, bringing in the right energy, the right type of clientele. So don't ever let somebody disrespect your time or your your craft or what you put into it, whether it's monetized or not, whether it's day one or day one hundred. Respect is not something that's earned. Respect is something that everyone deserves until they break.
2: Oh, now you're gonna make me cry.
1: <laughs> yeah, you deserve it. I've listened to your podcast and it's fantastic. I've been sitting here waiting on this thing since 7:20 today because I didn't want to be late at all for what you do.
2: <laughs> I know. I was my my brother. My niece turns one next Saturday, and this thing is like it's basically your wedding, Mario. It's like your wedding. This birthday party is turned into a wedding.
0: Are you excited? And,
2: Oh, I'm over the moon. I can't believe. So long story short, I called my brother and I were very close. Um, So my aunt, who's my mom's youngest sister, had him at 19. So my mom took him and she raised us together. So it was him, I, my grandparents, and my mom in Dominican. So him and I are extremely close and we're cousins, but he, if I call him a cousin, he's offended. And yeah, he's like, no, we're brother and sister. What's going on? We got raised together. Like to him, it's, he's my watchdog. Literally. So whenever I'm going to do anything in life, anything, I always consult him. Always. And when I decided to get a divorce, I called him. He's one of the first people I called. And I said, hey, he goes, what's going on? I got something to tell you. I said, me too. I thought he was going to tell me like. I don't know cuz he's doing very well in his career right now. I thought it was something career oriented. Granted, he's been in the automotive industry for 10 years. So, you know, it's time, right? And he tells me I'm having a baby. And then I started to cry and I said, "Well, I'm getting a divorce." So, this niece, she's very special. Wow. Very, very special because he he was the first person I told and I was the first person he told of like our life changes. So, yeah. his um Um, tearing up his girlfriend was super nice and she let me be involved in the gender reveal and the baby like she let me be super hands-on not to think about the turmoil that I was going through so she's special because it was it was like dark for me but she was like a little ray of sunshine
0: that's like that came
2: through right so she's super special so I can't believe she's turning one and yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm excited that she's turning one. I don't really showcase her on social media because I feel it's weird showing a baby on social media. I but, agree um, with
1: that, and uh, I think that's absolutely beautiful, though.
2: Yeah, she. I'll, I'll send you. I'll send you a pic. She's a sweetie, so oh. it's a whole production. This thing we got a clown and
1: <laughs> <laughs> amazing.
2: It's it's fun, but what was one of your toughest lessons that you feel that you've learned? during business? Like that one that kind of sticks out to you the most.
1: Uh, I think over the years, this answer has changed because Mm. I've been asked it a few times uh, in different scenarios. And I think the answer has changed, but now that I'm a little bit older and kind of been in the industry and I can see it from a different perspective, I think the biggest lesson that I've learned is that it's really honestly okay to set boundaries you lose a lot less than you think you do when you say no. Mm -hmm. And I know I struggled with that because not, you know, not that I'm a recovering people pleaser. I obviously want to people please in my industry, but I always wanted to be the guy that was hands-on that, you know, didn't let anyone down that went that extra mile. And sometimes it's appreciated and sometimes it's not. And what I realized is the ones that appreciated it, they would have done it anyway. They appreciate anything. They live a different lifestyle as far as the way they think about the world. They're, they're grateful. The ones that don't appreciate it, they would have never appreciated it no matter what I did. So I realized I don't have to give my all to everyone because then I become useless to the ones that are super important. And so it's not no longer about Trying to please everyone and 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 make sure I'm there for everyone. It's letting people fail realistically when they need to. The ones that are going to make it through are going to make it through no matter what. But I get to conserve my energy. I get to you know find that balance. And it's a lesson I'm still learning, and it's a lesson I've recently learned. So this is a new endeavor for me. But if I had to pin it, it would be you know saying no doesn't mean you're losing out on anything. You you're actually gaining. It's just a weird way of looking at it. People think that if I say no to this opportunity or no to this person, I'm going to lose. But you're just inviting something in your life that makes you unhappy or sucks your energy anyway. Even if there is a gain, it never, you know, surmounts the the, the loss that you just had to give up to earn that whatever it was. So saying no is actually so freeing and you lose a lot less in the long run.
2: Have you written a book? You should write a book. Man, i like. you're the
1: four hundredth person that told me that I want to I don't know I don't know why I can't. I don't know why I haven't. I don't I don't know. Five you podcasts do- from now with somebody I'm eventually gonna write it. I just don't know. I'm I'm seven podcasts in and I I get that every single time and I, I just I don't know why I, I still haven't done it.
2: It's you the, need- I get
1: razzed about it more than anything else in my life.
2: You sh- I would buy it in a heartbeat. You know what? You what I feel you would need is like those the writing coaches you know, like the ones that take you from step one to step a hundred. Yeah. I have writing. amazing
1: ones actually that I'm going to be relying on very soon.
2: You see, you have it all. It's, it's the right time. It's when it's the right time, you'll find it. I always, I get asked whenever my writing book, I'm like, I, I don't know. Let me clone myself.
1: <laughs> oh, <laughs> let me
2: clone Maybe she could sit down and write.
1: Yeah. Because- seriously. There's no excuse. I just, I, I don't know. I don't, I never know what to talk about. There's so much. I don't know. I I, I will. I will. I will. I I will.
2: I give you a, a tip. I, I say this on the podcast a lot, but my purest emotions come out in writing.
0: Amazing. The most
2: pure ones. Um, They can't come out in a conversation. It's just me, pen, paper. It's like, it's like yeah. automatic. It just, I'm like, oh my God, I just wrote that. Ooh, that was, you know. I totally just with you. Yeah, yeah. I think it'd be fun. I think it'd be fun. See, I'm your. I thought I was special. I was gonna be like top three podcast, and you've been on seven.
1: I'm so sad. Uh, but I'm not gonna lie to you. I love the whole vibe of this one because there's no agenda. Usually, you know, and I, I'm grateful for every podcast. So obviously, yes. not talking down to any of them. They no, were no. wonderful experiences. Work. I always, my favorite conversations are always the ones that don't have an agenda. It's just let's see where it goes. I think that brings out the most natural creative instinct in someone instead of putting them on a direct path that they're scared to veer off from. You know what I mean?
2: You know what? I, as a host, I, I take my job, seriously, I, I think it's an overlooked position being a host, but yeah. your job, I think my job is complete when the other person on the other side feels like they've been presented properly, like their true self. Yeah. And I think that you could do. only happen without so many rules and uh, like that that just uh I can't I can't with the rules. I want my <laughs> my risotto to come out
1: on time, but I don't <laughs> I love it. No, no, that's totally different. That's a that's a different standard. You know, listening to, you know, snippets of a lot of your other podcasts just to kind of get a feel, they all have that vibe. It's just like it's like you're 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 just in the room with you guys having this conversation. I don't feel like I'm listening to a podcast on a specific topic, it feels like if we were all just hanging out and chilling out one night, this is how the conversation would go.
2: That that was the whole vibe. I was really, when I started, I started my podcast for two reasons. One, I wanted to be on one.
1: <laughs> I love it. I was, <laughs> I was like, I so it. great. Fantastic.
2: <laughs> it's, it's 99% why I started half the thing is because I just, I want to do it. Like, yeah. it, like I want to be featured and I just did it myself. And the second thing is I don't feel that people, are represented properly
0: hmm.
2: like you have to have a certain pedigree and a certain standard to be and i've literally if i could if i could interview the homeless guy in the corner i would yeah. i would like i i just i want and i have but i haven't been able to record it anyways but um i'm like how did you end up here bro like it's your yeah. story like how i know you must be he was he's was very talented i could just tell yeah. and he told me his whole life story it was so interesting um and and you never know i never know maybe one day i might be homeless or you or anybody it's just it's not so far-fetched as as somebody can seem anyways me interviewing homeless people
1: (laughs) no it's i think it's super impactful what you're saying and i i'm totally with you on it i love I, i do a lot of photography and one of my favorite things to do is go downtown toronto and just take pictures of individuals and talk to them a little bit and and get to know their stories. I have a a whole thing that I did um, with homeless people as well, learning their stories a little bit, what their background, I I became so immersed in that culture because I have such a respect and admiration for people that go through adversity because I've been through so much in my own life. It's always curious to me how somebody ended up where they ended up and, you know, what their plan is to get out. And it's just, there's so much, amazing stories out there and I'm like a a book nerd so I read constantly so I'm always I I think in story I I speak in stories when I do trainings it's in story form because that's what I love and the most purest original content are people's story it's the only thing that you can't buy it's the only thing that you can't you know fully google like everyone has their own unique story it's the last piece of original content is somebody's story and if somebody has enough vulnerability to open up and share it, man, the best gift you can give is to listen and just be part of that experience, knowing that you might be the only one. So I always found that so fascinating.
2: It it is, it is. I I find it super cool just to just to hear one of it. The last homeless person I interviewed, he asked me asked if I would marry him, and I said I would consider it. But That's you amazing. know, you know, I was like hey, I consider every single opportunity. So I will get hey, back. Shoot your to shot,
1: man. doesn't matter where you are in life. That's inspiring.
2: Dude, I was like, and he came home and I told my mom. And my mom goes, so was he a contender? I'm like, you know, I think, <laughs> I think <laughs> it, was, it was that That's bad. Good, it was that bad. I was like, it was so funny. But I was like, he was brave enough. Like, I bet you somebody that would be in a room that would find me attractive wouldn't even say hello. And this person mm-hmm. who has nothing. Right. Yeah,
1: that's such a crazy way of looking at that.
2: You know, that it takes it takes um what's the word in English? I I courage. It takes courage yeah. for you to ask for what you want. Right. And that and that kind of circles in with with you and how you do business. I, I feel like you have to have courage to go after because anybody who was 20 and they lost their business, they'd be done. I'd be in my bed forever. I'd probably
1: still be in bed. Oh man, there was a lot <laughs> of shame. I'm not gonna lie. There was a ton of shame. I definitely had my, my few weeks, maybe months of pity party. Um, but life goes on. What am I going to do? It's not coming back as much as I prayed for it to, or begged for it to, uh, not my car wasn't coming back. My girlfriend wasn't coming back. My condo wasn't coming back. None of it. So I had to make another change. I had to pivot. I had to make another decision. It is what it is.
2: That's so funny that the girl, it's fine. The girlfriend is fine. She can, I'm sure she found her
1: karma somewhere. Oh, she yeah. definitely got her karma somewhere. So it's, it's all good. Uh You know, like, I don't know if you've seen Pretty Woman, you know, when they she comes back to the store when they kicked her out the first time because she had no money and then she comes back with all the bags of, of stuff. Yeah. That's how yeah, I felt yeah, in that moment. Yeah. Woman. yeah that's... Julia
2: Roberts is ah, phenomenal. She's
1: still gorgeous. Like, I don't even know where she's at. She's in her fifties or sixties by now. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yes.
1: He's rocking life. It's it's the Oh my
2: it's the skin. We won't get into the skincare stuff. I I've become oh. obsessed. 30 plus obsessed <laughs> with skincare. I'm like, "Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. This needs to stay intact." <laughs> this
1: needs to stay intact. I love
2: that. <laughs> I like the face is like like the the, the money maker here. I, I just I can't anyways. I get made fun of. I I was talking to a girlfriend of mine and she does the 12 step Korean And she was a success. She gave me a whole tutorial, screenshots and everything. And I was like, I'm going to do this. I told her, come come fall, this is going to be my new routine. Because her skin just looks fat. I feel like that's where it's at,
1: your skincare.
2: (laughs) Oh, this makeup and the makeup
1: fades, right? That's amazing. (laughs) The makeup fades. I love that. I I don't have any routine. I use a face cloth and soap and I'm done. I just like (laughs) you. Yeah, that's, that's, that's my routine.
2: This is, you know, what I find that males have it easier with the face stuff, but they they just, you know, you, you show up and and you're fine, right? Like, and with us, it's like oh, the eye cream, the serums, the. <laughs> it,
1: and you know what though, it's 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 a weird thing because it's not like guys don't think of it. Don't get me wrong, I wouldn't mind a little face mask here and there. I I, I think I could use it, but it's not that I like believe in like gender norms that I shouldn't. I just don't think about it enough to get it you know what i mean it doesn't cross my mind in my day to be like oh my god okay so i have to work oh, i have a huge client gotta grab face cream head home like it just it's not in my world so it it crosses my mind randomly i'm like yeah i should probably start taking care of this or this and then it's gone and then it's just gone for weeks and months and i forget that it exists
2: and it's just not there i'm gonna I, i'm gonna hook you up and get you like don't worry i got you <laughs>
1: Oh my God, really? Because yeah, if someone else did it, I'd be totally all about it. Because I just don't remember. I just don't.
2: I now know. I now know when I get to meet <laughs> you, what I will gift you is to give you the face stuff. Because it's just, it's so important. It's so, like I have, I've had phone calls, like meetings with like a face mask on, not camera. And I'm just talking to them and writing and my mom passes by and she's like, I'm just, like, just ma, we got to do double time here. Double duty. Gotta do the <laughs>
1: i face. love that see you figured it out most people think i always want scotch but no nope, face cream if you can hook me up we're good
2: <laughs> the scotch is cool though the scotch is, it
1: is. Cool, it's my think. whole world i love it i have so many bottles my whole office is like that wood like feel it's, oh i love it i love that whole thing so definitely I'm, i was totally kidding please get me scotch everyone that's listening
2: <laughs> don't show up with face cream yeah, don't show up with face cream
1: i was totally kidding <laughs> what has
2: <happened? laughs> been What's your favorite scotch? Is is there like a specific? Oh no no no!
1: no. You can't. Dude. There's no way. It's uh, my favorite drink is an old fashioned, which is very old fashioned of me to say, uh, but it is my favorite drink. But I love the whole feeling of it, and I fell in love with it because of the the finance industry. You know, at night when the uh, people were still working and it was eight o'clock, nine o'clock at night. We'd be in the office in this beautiful office with these big windows, and people would have scotch and they'd be drinking. I just I fell in love with that again that world. I immersed myself into mm-hmm. it. I hated scotch in the beginning; it was so gross to me. But I just drank it because I I almost wanted to belong. Yeah, and then it, it actually just started becoming such a part. Like I, I they I remember them telling me they're like you're gonna learn to love this, and I do. It's my favorite thing. I don't drink often, and I I don't drink more than one glass, but I'll like nurse that glass for 20-30 minutes just enjoying it while I read fireplace on or music on it's like such a zen feeling and it brings me back to the early stages of my career which I absolutely love and so it has such beautiful memories attached to it so it's just yeah it's it's so much deeper than just a love for a specific type of scotch it's it it brings me back so that's why if I'm somebody
2: friend. doesn't sponsor you to be a spokesperson for Scotch. I'm going to be upset after this episode. Man, my uh,
1: Listen, I want to be a sponsor. I'm saying this publicly to everyone that listens, which I hope is a lot of people. Cause your podcasts are so fire, but I want to definitely be a, po- I want to be a spokesperson for Scotch and I'm going to write a book. That's my,
2: that's my your two things. Life. You've said that's it. Now plans. you have to do it.
1: Yep. I'm going to have you a have night routine for my face. I'm going to drink Scotch and be a spokesperson, this is great. I'm learning a lot from this podcast about myself.
2: This is you know what? One of my listeners who I haven't met in person, but she's phenomenal and she always writes to me. She said to me, so I, I I went through the feelings, right? This is the thing. I share a lot of feelings on here. And she messaged me. I was having a horrible day. So I cry in my car while I'm driving. This is when I decide to cry. I can't cry anywhere else but while I'm driving. I don't know what it is. And she messages me as I'm in the parking lot. And I'm, like, I'm having a horrible day. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I so can't, oh my goodness. Like, But I can turn it off. Like, I, I, you know, I cry, whatever. I do my thing five minutes and then I'm like, so okay, okay, let's go be a badass again. Yep. And she messages me and she's like, Hannah, your event is in two months. And I'm like, yes, I know. This is probably why I'm crying. And she goes, I remember when I, when I listened to you in an interview that you did in 2021, you said you wanted to do an event after the pandemic. I was like, shit.
1: Wow, that's amazing.
2: Yeah, I said, I did say that. She goes, and like, now you're doing it. And I'm like, I am. So, you know, you, you never know who's listening to you. Like, she just, she took me and like, whoop, she rocked. she brought me right back. I'm like, okay, yeah, okay, this is done. What do you have to do? Who do you have to call? What, like, you know, I went back into the motions, but it, people do listen to what you say, even though they don't
1: That's so good. I love when people keep you accountable like that because we forget our own strengths. We forget our own words. We say so much Mm -hmm. that we don't realize the impact our words have on other people. It it might just be a fleeting thought saying that I'm going to start a, I'm going to, you know, do a a show or, or an event after this. It might just be a fleeting thought, but somebody else might be so inspired by that. Like, wow, we're in the middle of a pandemic and this girl still wants to create an event and she's thinking so far ahead that could have inspired that one person so much that is so small to you. And it's so big to them. That's why yeah. I, I really believe words are so powerful.
2: They are. They are. They are. You, you actually start, I didn't, I've been on this whole get to read, know myself journey as like a, I don't even know. I don't even know if to call myself a feminist because I don't feel like I am, but you know, it's just like getting to know myself again. And one of the things that, that really sticks out to me the most is what I say I do.
0: Mm -hmm. Like
2: if I say, I don't like, I I got asked, how are you going to do this event? I don't know, (laughs) but I will. And then Uh, you just, you start moving and grooving and and things you, you figure it out as you go. Um, And I've learned a lot. I can tell you now, Mario, I've learned at least four things right now that I know I'm not going to do for the next time around.
1: Nope. Uh, Isn't it amazing when that stuff happens every time I deliver a talk or even every time I do a podcast, or a, a, an Instagram live, I learned the smallest little tidbit and mm-hmm. thank God I don't have the mentality that I have to be perfect every time I do something. Cause it allows me that ability to see faults that I can correct where I, I, I find it such a, a, it's such an interesting thing when people post like a status, it doesn't get enough likes in the first five minutes and they just delete the status. I'm like, man, are, are you, how, like, how little do you care about your own thoughts that you need validation from people, a specific amount of people, in a specific amount of time before that thought even becomes something that's worth validating. It's just so crazy to me. So I love making mistakes. Listen, I'm gonna post something. It's gonna get one like. I'm like, okay, great. That one person had made an impact for. I'm good with that. Next one, I'm gonna try something different. But I'd rather people see my progression than my perfection.
2: Oh, that was a gem. That was a gem. That's what. That's what it is. You have to progress. I say this. I say this often, if you listen to episode one and if you listen to now, there's a big difference in how confident I am. And, and with the videos and stuff, I post videos every week. Sometimes these videos do great. Other times they,
1: I'm like, okay. I love I'm your really real videos throwing up the deuce side every time. So
2: good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just one of those things. I'm like, I'm going to do this. And you know why I started doing the videos it was because I was camera shy. So good. I was good.
0: camera shy.
2: I was like, I don't really like looking at the camera. This is weird. And in my head, I'm like, Well, how are you going to be Oprah if you can't go on camera? This is my thought process. So I decided to do Wisdom Wednesdays with Hannah. And now I've been, I've been in events where people I don't know come up to me. It happened. I was on a boat cruise, yacht, whatever, on the weekend, and somebody came up to me and they're like, Wisdom Wednesday with Hannah. And I'm like, Hey, what's up? you know, never met her in my life, okay. but she didn't even follow me, but she's like, I've seen your videos, so they work. They work with the two signs.
1: <laughs> I love I, it. I, it. It I works, do. though, for you, because I'm like, it, it's it, it draws you in, because it's that's your thing. You found yeah. your, your little thing that you like, and it, it just makes you you. It's super cool. I love it.
2: Oh, you like my videos? I always take so much, I'm like, mm, my little videos. I forget sometimes that I do all the things. Not that I forget, but I just, to me, there's a I have a huge goal in my head and I know it's going to take time. Like it might, like it's going to take six more years because it's 10 years. So these are just small things that will amount to my goal to have my show like bigger show than the advice from Hannah show podcast, but it's, it's my goal and I know I have a lot to do, but like, oh, you'll be the first to know. Ooh, I was in a music video. What? Yeah. Yeah. I I went, I filmed, um, and I was like, oh my God, while I was there, I was like, oh my God, it's happening. It's a thing.
1: You're, you're in a music so video, cool. right? <laughs> That's so cool.
2: It was fun. It was fun. I had a good time. And and like the artist, he's an old friend of mine. I've known him since I was a teenager. He messaged me. He's like, yeah. he's like I want it. What I liked, he said, I want real women in my yeah. video. Like real ones. He goes, you know, you, the the hustler, I like he had a... Uh, like a nail tech, he had so many different women that do so many, like different careers and things that aren't typically in videos.
1: Yeah, typically I love that. Videos. That's so cool.
2: Yeah, it was, it was really cool. I don't, I'm not sure when it's airing, but it, that was a video girl. I was like, yes, mama, I made it.
1: <laughs> That's, I, no, that is absolutely so cool. I, I love that. And you know what, you are super real and I, I love your whole style because when you do watch your videos and your, or even just having like probably 10 times during our conversation. I forgot we're on a podcast right now. <laughs> I did. Cause I'm just, I'm chilling here. I'm, I'm having a, a, a drink. I'm just chatting with you. And it's just, there's no, like, I'm not feeling like oh, I have to perform. Like I just get to be myself. And sometimes you get the best content from that. And you just bring out this realness in people. Cause you're just so authentic yourself. You speak how you speak, you act how you act. Your questions are sincere. It's just such a cool experience just even chatting with you.
2: It's fun. Oh, thank you. Thank you all. You understand. I What I feel, though, in my heart, I feel like a lot of people are lonely. Not lonely because they don't have friends, but lonely because, you know, in North America, we work so much. Yeah. We're constantly evolving. We're doing this. It's family life. It's, you know, where we're moving. So when you're listening to a podcast, sometimes you haven't had a genuine conversation all day.
1: Oh, that's so short true. mode. It's so true. Cause I love talking about business even after business hours, but I just don't want to talk about my day business. I want to talk about like business as a whole, like that world mm-hmm. and, and, or, or just talk about nothing or something or the restaurant or just, just having like authentic, deep conversations is so lacking in so many people's world. You know, you see people that have popularity or they have a lot of friends and people around them or colleagues around them and I'm blessed for my life, but, I rarely get to have a deep, authentic conversation anymore.
2: Well, you have to be the boss, right? You have to be yeah. the boss. The, that you're you're put together, and and you have to be on. I like I. I went with a friend. I had to. Well, I had to meet one of my sponsors uh, yesterday uh, to do an exchange for something, and we ended up. It was supposed to be fifteen minutes, and I ended up three hours with her just talking. Yeah. About life, and she's such a busy individual, and I'm like. Gee, are you are you sure? No, 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 no. I really want to get this idea out, and it was just a whole thing, and it was like I was three hours, and yeah. I really understood. I understood where she was in her business, and what she was trying to do, and and just the areas where she was, she's not feeling enough support, or you know, she's concerned. I feel I find that females. I don't know if you, because you you have so many clients, but we were scared. Let's say I want to be a real estate agent. Sure. And I know somebody who's also a real estate agent. Sometimes females will think, Oh, I don't want her to think I I want to take her real estate business or her clients because yeah. we're in the same circle. You know, but no, there's enough for everybody. You could be a real estate agent and Vaughn could be one in Whitby. I don't know. You of know, it, it, there's enough for everyone, but not everybody has that. Do you experience that? Like with in oh the, God, the yeah. finance world, just like cause you're so cool. Do you have other people like, Oh, I can't be like you. And you're like, but you can't.
1: No, but it's so true. And you know, it's, it's funny that you say that because like I said, I come from, uh, uh, what's it called? I come from, um, a male dominated industry for most of my career where it's, it's not, when I say male dominant, it's not like women are not in there. Women, are, I think, are some of the best financial advisors on the planet because their ability to have empathy that's so natural and just a different way of listening and, and caring. But it's always been so male dominant like a boys' club. And everyone has this ego, like everyone's better than everyone. And I hate that whole energy and that whole vibe. And so I really wanted to make uh, an example and really – know let women stand out and and be that center of attention and and let their skills their natural skills shine and a lot of the times when they come to my organization they have that same fear they're like you know what if there's just not enough or you know there's probably Mm -hmm. so many advisors it's like this little insecurity that they had and once we got past that like talk about absolute beasts in the industry like they're doing things that I've never seen before. They're, they're some of the most talented individuals once they get over that hump of having an abundance mindset, that there's enough for everybody, that I never have to worry about competing with another agent. I just have to focus on myself. And they got rid of that mentality of this is no longer a boys club. This is a, an equal opportunity and I'm going to take my opportunity to the fullest. And once they got over that, that mindset, that scarcity mindset, and they developed that abundance mindset, can't stop them now. They're through the roof. They've done oh. things I've never done in my early stages of my career.
2: Well, that's to say you would need a mentor. You would. I find that that's what a lot of people are lacking, just, just having a mentor and having somebody believe in them. It's, it's so hard for you to go talk to somebody and say, well, you know what? I don't know if I could do this. You know, and it's hard because now you're showing the insecurity. Now you're showing to be vulnerable. So you have to kind of have somebody create that space for you. And that's hard.
1: Oh, it's so hard. Like uh, Maya on our team, she's 20 years old. She got started with me when she was 19, but she's been in the industry since she was 18. And her previous company, they said, you're never going to make it unless you learn to speak more like a man. that was what they said to her at 18 years old and obviously it crushed her they took her commission from her they didn't trust her with clients they treated her like she was a a, like a second rate citizen like just a nobody Mm -hmm. and when she came over to our side and we got to talk to her and we built that relationship and we got to find out what her wants were and we encouraged her every day and we pushed her every day now she's been with us for a year she's the top, one of the top producers in almost every single category. She's my top trainer, my one of my top managers. And it's all because the belief and that we poured into her on such a consistent basis, she couldn't help but believe in herself eventually. We were the loudest voices in her life. No longer was somebody telling her to be something that she wasn't. And if you can understand that type of of respect for everyone that comes in your door, you're going to have a successful team. You're going to have a loyal team. And I've worked with companies where they don't treat you like that. They treat you like a number. You're only as good as your last sale and all this other Mm -hmm. crappy, cliche stuff that's out there. But man, you give somebody a a space to be themselves. And I promise you, you're going to see a side of that person that is going to blow you away. And it, I have so many stories like that within my organization. I have the most loyal team on the planet. I guarantee no one can take these people away.
2: Well, that's just it. If you empower people to be themselves, they'll, in return, continue lifting you forward, right? It's, yeah. it's power in people. I, I was stressing out a few weeks ago with, like, this vendor application. And, you know, I'm like, oh, my God, nobody's applying to be a vendor. And then, it, like, the, I'm like, Hannah, it's not – it's the people. Your power is in the people, and then I yeah. I I sent DMs to like a few key players, and I said, hey, can you repost this for me? I'm looking for a vendor. It was like instant. It's like boom, boom, oh, boom. Yeah. After like three, four people, it was like party central with the vendor applications, right? But I was sitting there, and and you think you have to do it by yourself, and you don't. No, don't you have to ask for help? Even like the the biggest, baddest, whoever in whatever industry, they have advisors, they have mentors. They have oh people
0: live, gosh,
1: yeah. i I go to mine all the time i I don't know all the answers. I don't even know half the answers. I always ask for opinions and guidance from people that I respect or that have gone through something it's it's totally normal like i I'm not gonna risk my company's future because my ego's too big to ask for help
2: Bro, oh my god, you drop so many gems like i I kind of want to call this episode uh no cutting corners but or I
0: like it. something
2: so we some that. corners. That was like bold for me. That's what stands out the most in this combo. Yeah. But I have, okay, what am I? Oh, I don't even want to end this episode. I'm so sad. I get him. In- I- Do you know that I officially like, I fan girl whoever I interview? Like, I think they're so cool. Um, <laughs> <something> to- <laughs> it is, it is. I always think like they're so cool. Like, I'm like, wow, I think you're so cool. And they're like, really me? I'm like, yeah, yeah. Um, whenever you've been on any podcast or any interview, What's a question you wish somebody asked you?
0: Oh. So <laughs> good.
2: That's my uh I know, right? I warm you up and then I boom at the end.
1: <laughs> I don't think I've ever been stumped on a question. And I I think the question is I always wish somebody would ask me what question did they would ask me. <laughs> That is so brilliant. You're, you know, who's cool? You're cool, Anna, because that was the coolest question I've ever been asked. Because it's such a difficult one. Like, I'm so used to when you're being interviewed, you're so used to just be like, okay, throw it at me. I'll be vulnerable, whatever you got. Yeah. But never do I think like, man, I, you know, since I was a kid, I wish somebody would ask me about this. So yeah. I think the question, oh my gosh, give me a second here, because this is. This is brilliance in the making. And I don't even know if you know that. Oh. Uh, so good. Uh, a question that I wish people would ask me. Huh. Like, there's, there. I, I don't like, it's none of those cliche questions. Like, if you could do something different or if you can go back mm-hmm. in time. Like, I hate mm-hmm. all those questions. I don't want any of that stuff.
2: No, because um, you were born, you were born to be in the numbers world. It just you did it in the catering world. Cause I, I feel like the kitchen is numbers. Whoever figures out the numbers in the kitchen, they're, they're golden, golden, um, success.
1: Amazing. You know what? I, 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 I don't have an answer for you. This is the no. first time I've been stumped. No, I'm serious. I, I always tried to give my all in an interview that I never asked, like what values inside that I wish somebody would pull out. Really. I'm serious. The you just might be the most brilliant person I've ever talked to. Oh my god! Oh, no, you're gonna be <laughs> No, oh, this really is because this is such a profound question, and I think I wish people would ask me more about. I know we don't talk about our personal life, but I really wish people would talk more about, you know, cause okay, actually I think I have something here because most people ask me about what I do with my clients. You know, they ask me about success. They ask me about um, mindset and stuff like that. But no one ever asks me like when you're down, mm-hmm. what do you do to get out of that? Ooh. Because no one ever wants to think that I, I I'm down. I'm always on my A game, Hannah, always, around everyone, all the time. No one ever asks, you know, what are my demons? Like, what are the things in my head? Like, what are your insecurities? Because no one wants to answer that question. And what's funny is I wish more people would ask me that stuff. Because I am super open book and vulnerable, and I'm okay to talk about it because everyone's afraid that their demons are going to get exposed and no one ever asks about anybody else's. Does that make sense?
2: That makes sense. That makes sense. Cuz nobody wants to talk about how they their dark days. Nobody wants to talk about it took me 8 months to pick up a mic after my divorce. I couldn't do it. Yeah. I couldn't do it for the life of me. Every single time I touched this mic, tears. And I was like I I I can't do this anymore. I just, you know, I have nothing to say. So I went through that and literally i kid you not one day october like nothing i got up picked up the mic and i dropped an episode no promo no noise season 3 we're back what's going on and that's that's literally what i did and there was nothing that could stop me from doing it after that point now in my head i'm like oh my god i want to take this to episode 500 but it was one of the and it was actually my artist in the netherlands who i've never met in my life who messaged me and said so when are we doing season three wow and i said bro i cannot amici shout out to you he listens to me but he always said he said to me when are we doing season three cover and i said to him i can't pay you to even do this cover for me right now like i Cannot do it. I'm literally bare bones right now. Like I, I could pay my way through my bills and everything, but I didn't have discretionary income for me to do anything.
0: Whoa. So
2: I said, I'm like, I'm sorry. I I, I can't. I don't even know how I'm going to do season three. And he did it for me and didn't charge me.
1: Amazing.
2: And he said, pay me when you can. And I have. I paid him off in full now. But um, it's a better place. But he, he worked for me. And didn't, went. I went back and forth with him a hundred times. I don't like this. I don't like that. I'm very particular. Um, as cool as I am, I'm very particular with things. When, it, when they have my name on it, I, it needs to be delivered in a certain standard. But I went back and forth with him. This was, the, I was the pickiest person ever,
0: ever. Oh, yeah, and I he worked that. with
2: me. And, and that's when I realized that I have, that I, that my strength is people. Like people love, they love me and they want to work with me because of who I am, not what I can do.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I'm going to start thinking about that now because you really, you really hit a nerve with what you said. And I love, thank you for being vulnerable and even sharing that because we don't share our our faults as much anymore. It's, it's, people are afraid to be exposed Mm -hmm. because we think we have to be so perfect for everybody Because as soon as we have a crack in our armor, we just think somebody's going to go to the next person and the next marketer and the next, next financial advisor. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to be really honest with you when you're vulnerable and you're relatable, people want to be around you. So to answer your question, I want more people to ask about my demons, my dark feelings, my feelings of, you know, what are my insecurities? And I think that is something that is not ever talked about. It's not ever shared. It's, it's a whole other podcast, but yep. that's yeah. the question that I think more people need to be bold to ask, obviously with somebody who's bold mm-hmm. enough to answer, to answer, yeah. but I think that that would make for such a powerful piece or even an Instagram live or something, because I think people need to start building a trend around sharing that stuff because there's a whole other world out there of people that we have no idea the, the people we admire online, we don't know anything about them.
2: Oh, they're, they're, they have the darkest, some of the most brilliant, there's somebody who I, there's very few people in this world that I trust a mic with. Like if I'm on stage and I need you to introduce me or I need you to interview me, it, I'm, you know, you gotta be able to, to get into, you know, Hey, Hannah, how's it going? how Like, I, I need you to go in. And one of the most brilliant MCs and performers that I know, he suffers from severe depression.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Like it is just unknown, but he's very transparent about it and he talks about it very openly. And you know, that he goes to therapy, that he takes antidepressants, that he does meditations, that he's had suicidal thoughts. Like he's very open about oh. it. And the level of success in the people that are around him and everybody that knows him is just it's like never ending love. And it's funny because I always know when he's not feeling well and he can be online every day
1: that's so powerful
2: i'll message him and say what's going on how'd you know i said i don't know i just know what's going on and he tells me and then you know we have a whole convo but it i built that rapport with him and and we have that kind of relationship but i think it's it's important that we talk about our demons so people can understand what's going on and and why right like you feel inadequate I, you know, after my divorce, I didn't think I could ever go back on stage. I didn't think I, I had what it took to even. Who do I think I am with this brand? And you know, there was a whole back end of things with my ex going. Oh well, if part of it, a brand is mine. And oh my God, it's not yours. But you know, it, it it went through like a whole back and forth. So you have to build things, and everybody becomes more more transparent and and just in life in general, right? If the yeah. more you talk about things, the better it is. But nobody wants to talk about it like you said.
1: No. Like I want somebody to just jump on a, a on a podcast or a live and just like let it out, like own your own your stuff because when you own your weaknesses, your fears, you start taking so much control over it. You mm-hmm. know, the more we hide our demons, the more they're going to get exposed the wrong way. Cause let's say I had a, you know, an insecurity and I'm scared to admit that insecurity. I keep it hidden. So it automatically becomes something that's private and it's a, it's a weakness. It's a touching point for me. And somebody else finds out about that weakness or that insecurity, all they ever have to do is mention it. And now they own you because they own your power. They own your, your confidence. They own everything about you. And you instantly feel less around that person. But the more you talk about it, the more you own it, the more you can face it, you're more likely to change it. But somebody else mentioning it no longer has the same power because it's, it's like, I, well, I already know this about myself. I'm open with it. So you're not really saying anything that's offending me. And now you, you get to take back your power. And I, that's why I think that, that I'm so glad you asked me that question because that was the best question I've ever been asked.
2: You're just gonna be crying all up on this show. I need to get good. myself together.
1: <laughs> good, good, good. It was a fantastic conversation with you, honestly.
2: I loved it. I loved it. I think this was super fun. We have to come back. You have to come back, or we can do an IG live. La- Something about talking about your insecurities and your dark days to as far as you feel comfortable. Um Let's do it.
1: No, no, no. I'm I'm uh like I said, I'm an open book. Let's do it.
2: I think it's gonna be fun because so many people don't they don't realize like, you know, you're at the top of your game or you're doing this and that. And like meanwhile, I'm sitting there, I'm like, oh my God, this is crippling
1: me. Oh, this, and, is, this has been such a a great end to my day. Oh, it, it really exciting. has, it really has to, been an amazing end.
2: You have to tell everyone where they can keep up with you, if you your IG handles or or anything yeah. like that um what is it plug what the kids say plug
1: <laughs> yeah we'll throw a plug out there i'm not a big fan of that i mean i'm around but my easiest way to get a hold of me is is on ig for sure uh mario j Franchella. um just check out anything on hannah's page because i'm going to be fangirling it all day i'm going to be loving <laughs> all her stuff so you'll find me in their comments and something uh and definitely Listen to past podcasts, not just this one, because you drop some serious knowledge and gems. And it's one of those things that at night, if you just had a stressful day, you want to sit back and just feel like you're part of a conversation and part of something real. I I highly recommend uh, your podcast. It's one of my favorites.
2: Thank you. Aw. Thanks so much for passing by and and hanging out with me. You can come back anytime. Oh, wait, I got to do the thing. I got to do the thing with you. So, I say this is your favorite podcast host, Santa Guzman, with, and then you got to say your name, okay? You ready? Yeah. Okay, good. So, thanks you so much for listening to, to us, out, everyone. This is your favorite baby. podcast
0: host, Santa Guzman, with you Mario. <laughs> Wishing I'll you the be best week. Out, ever. Toodles. But I'll never <laughs> let you win the game.